How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Greatest City in the World podcast. It has been quite some time uh, since I've done a podcast and uh, have today something really unique. Uh, The coronavirus obviously has made it so um, one-on-one in the same room podcasts have have dropped, I think, across the entire industry. Uh, But I have with me not just someone from Katanning or Armstrong County, but I have someone with me joining all the way from Ukraine. Uh, And so I have Adrian here today. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about himself, and then we'll kind of enter into a deeper conversation because I don't know, how does does Ukraine and Katanning get connected here, Adrian? (laughs) Well, I I am an American who's been living in Ukraine for 15 years now, Uh, Adrian Zawada. I've been working here as a journalist and a political analyst, and uh, how how did I come across Katanning of all places? <laughs> I uh, I've been uh, my my children were born here, but they're U.S. citizens, and we we uh, we want our my wife and I, my lovely wife and I, Veronica, want to raise our children in the U.S. so that they have traditional American values. And these are values that I noticed living abroad are unique. Uh, Contrary to what um, many on the left think, (laughs) American values are actually quite respected throughout the world. Uh, Americans still, to to a large extent, although that's gradually um, deteriorating, but, but to a large extent still command respect throughout the world because of our commitment to such Western values as rule of law, private property rights, freedom of speech, Christian values. A lot of things we take for granted here. A lot of things that we take for granted here in the United States, I think, sometimes. Especially when, and and I I might have taken them for granted as well uh, before I lived in a place like Ukraine, which is a post-Soviet country where things like rule of law, private property rights, uh, individual rights, uh, economic stability are all lacking. Uh, and when you see that firsthand, <laughs> you start to really appreciate uh, the country that uh, you were born in. I was born in New York City, which some people might say uh, isn't really America. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but, but there are American values, even, well, definitely when I was growing up in the 80s, uh, it was apple pie still, I would say. Yeah. Uh, in Queens, I was in Queens, which is, it's not Manhattan, um, so there are a lot of families there, it's still like a, a family-oriented place. But, uh, you know, even to this day, New York it represents uh, capitalism, co- uh, competition, so that's that's also an American, well, traditional American value, yeah. and and so even New York uh, shares some of that. <laughs> when in considering returning to the U.S., I, I, New York uh, is not on my list. <laughs> my uh, unfortunately, you know, I would have liked to have my children grow up in my hometown and walk the same streets that I did and enjoy the same things I did, like Boy Scouts and Little League and whatnot. Uh, but uh, it's just uh, even before uh, the events of this year, I, I, I didn't want to do it. And, and the events of recent months have convinced me even more that I don't want to. 
Uh, raise my children in New York. Yeah, so you've been searching now, look, looking at different areas of the country, and um, I know you've had a couple that are on your short list, and uh, one of them came up, Western Pennsylvania, and then uh, yeah, how'd, you, how'd you stumble upon Little Catani? Yeah, I don't want to disappoint you. I, I did, it, of, of all the cities that came to mind here in Ukraine, Catani didn't just... <laughs> was it wasn't in my memory at all <laughs> but pittsburgh was i'll say pittsburgh was. <laughs> absolutely i've never lived uh, east of the mississippi i've lived in north carolina and florida but never east of the mississippi so i was looking for a place that's fairly red state fairly traditional east of the mississippi mm-hmm. uh, something that i'm more familiar with this this territory and uh pittsburgh uh came to mind Mm-hmm. And the way I also confirmed that was I, lo- I was looking at electoral maps of <laughs> which states voted red and which counties voted red in particular. Yeah. Now, uh, Allegheny County, which is where uh, Pittsburgh is situated, it, it did go blue. But it, aside from that, all of Western Pennsylvania was red. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but w- which county was the most red? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Armstrong County had to be up there. I think we were almost 80-20 red uh, here. And then, we, I think recently, another interesting fact, they just had um, gun ownership as far as like Second Amendment rights. Uh, they, Armstrong County, I believe, was third in the nation um, for, for most uh, gun ownership in one county. So uh, it's a very, very red state or very red county. <laughs> I did not know that. That's an even another plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so cool. Um, I know then you uh, you contacted me after I think you saw a couple of videos. And, um, well, I typed Katani in Google. Yeah. And, and your videos came up. So Nice. <laughs> well, that's good. I know uh, that was one of the, actually the motivations for me starting the YouTube channel. Because when I would type um, Katani into Google... I would always get one random like news story of something terrible that happened here, because uh, we did we don't have a good city website, we don't have a good you know anything um, from a marketing standpoint, and so I was like, well, at least something positive will come up about Katanning if I can get some traction. So <laughs> I'm glad it worked. <laughs> You're making a difference. <laughs> You're uh, changing. You're now changing the world since you're talking to me, right? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, what's your perspective of like, uh, I'll, I'll say as a microcosm, Katanning, um, but maybe on a bigger level, small, small town America, you're thousands of miles away from here. Um, you've been connect, you've been maybe not as connected over the past um, decade or so. Uh, what's your feeling about small town America and the kind of the potential uh, that it has? Like, why do you want to come back? I mean, aside from the values, and we talked about that, but the only time where I got to see the what I would call the real America, uh, the the legacy America, I would even say, is when I after I graduated university, I went to university in D.C., another gigantic mm, metropolis. Yeah. I was starting out in journalism, and and unless you have a a relative who's an editor at one of the top 
newspapers or news channels, you're you're going to go to a, a smaller, mid-sized market to 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 start uh, learning the the trade. And uh, I ended up in uh, outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, in a, a town called Gastonia. And that was my first encounter with. Uh, I guess you could say it's a small town. And what I noticed in my travels, because I said I, I lived in North Carolina and Florida as well, is that there are there are small towns that are doing very well uh, and have uh, vibrant activity socially, economically, religiously, whatnot. And then there are those small to mid towns that that for one reason or another, uh, got dealt a bad hand, uh, and, and they're struggling. Yeah. Uh, so it's a mixed bag. Uh, and obviously one wants to, if, if one is wanting to, to locate, relocate to a, a small mid-sized town, you, you want, you want to get one that's, that's at least in the middle, not, not necessarily struggling or suffering, but not, you know, obviously, you, you you want the best for yourself and your family, but I think what's made it, you know, the, the events of recent weeks and months has has made it uh, all the more obvious that uh, of of all the potential benefits of living in a smaller mid sized town. Uh, I don't even have to say them. I think it's obvious to everyone. I think this summer there's going to be just a huge uh, exodus. <laughs> From these giant mega cities of New York, Washington, Los Angeles, uh, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. Towards smaller, mid-sized towns. Well, it's really interesting if you look at kind of the the overall economics of the last several decades. You had, you know, the kind of the the death of the small farmer. And so you have the farming communities gradually moving into the bigger cities and kind of this, um, all, all the cities getting bigger and all the small towns gradually dying. And then you had the manufacturing base kind of slowly being um, taken down. And then when there's, you don't have that manufacturing skill, if you, the manufacturers that were left just wanted to be next to the big population bases as well. And so you had this kind of like perfect storm of things that were really the death blow to a lot of small towns. But now, like you said, with uh, you have the, the virus that is, you know, pre predominantly in the major cities, I think people are looking to get out. You have kind of the, ref the return of this um, small, small farm mentality where you're seeing all these market guard market gardens and farms and uh, this interest of people my age that want to do homesteading, which is like lost for a couple of generations. And then you have uh, also manufacturing is taking this big turn from big manufacturing to now small manufacturing is is viable again. Um, small specialized manufacturing, especially in the United States, uh, seems to be making somewhat of a, of a comeback. So it's really, it's interesting. You had this perfect storm of, uh, you know, people going away from small towns and now you have, you know, people like you, you're a talented individual that, you know, could be working at a, in a big city, but the internet has made it so you can work anywhere in the world. And so why would you want to subject yourself to big city life when you could have the, you could have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. And especially with the virus situation, uh, 
encouraging employers to have their workers work at home. Right. And that's just that's going to exponentially uh, move the trend towards uh, living in outside of the the metropolises. Uh, I think I, I've seen articles in recent weeks in the mainstream media about that, John, about that very topic. People are starting to ask themselves, okay, well, uh, I do 70% of my daily activity on the internet besides working, you know, I do shopping on the internet. I socialize on the internet. <laughs> And so why am I paying these high property taxes in these blue cities that uh, encourage negative behaviors among its population? Uh, you know, people are definitely giving second thought. And I think it's I think we're going to see uh, quite a fascinating revival of small town America in the next not only beginning in September, but also throughout the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, how do you, I mean, from your perspective, um, I know we talked about a couple of different things about when you and your wife looking for places to live and how, um, you know, she had kind of this desire of a European town, uh, that's very walkable and those kinds of things. Um, I'm looking at Catanning obviously, but small towns in general, uh, what 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 things do you see that a small town needs to have in order for it to be viable for someone moving from a city? You know, how can a how can a place like Catanning uh, capitalize on the opportunity that is presenting itself right now? That's a great question, um, and everyone every individual is going to have a different answer. Uh, I grew up in New York City, which is highly it's probably the most pedestrian friendly city in America. I would say, I mean. There's even a joke among New Yorkers that, I mean, it's not even a joke. I know uh, people I grew up with who don't have a driver's license and they're 40, 43 years old. You know? Right, right. So they, they, they've never driven a car. And, and it's kind of like a, it's been like a cultural joke for decades. Now, you know, Woody Allen would joke about that in his films. So, you know, it's like, you know, he, not only did he not, uh, drive like when he tried to drive, it was <laughs> just resulted in accidents. <laughs> but um, so I uh, I would initially say like right like what you said having a pedestrian friendly downtown area. However, that's for those of us who who uh, grew up with that and and that appeals to them. Like also also my wife who's from Europe, and Europe is obviously it's it's. It's they, Europeans live in very compact cities, and and the cities are old. They were built centuries ago, so everything's pedestrian friendly, and and uh, they're also very ecologically conscious as well. So they they want to limit their use of automobiles, and and you know in places like Germany and and Denmark, I mean like bicycle use is 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 prevalent I mean, it's it's a it's a normal thing it's it's what most i'd say most but a, a significant part of the population uh is how they travel is, is by bicycle yeah. and mass transit they'll take their bike to a train and then the, the train will take them to the next city and then they'll take their bike off the train and then bike mm. so 
those are those. If an American small town can offer a a half decent downtown, because I've, I've I've seen some of the American downtown. I I, I was a, a journalist in the U.S. working in North Carolina. Uh, I was in Winston Salem also. I, I remember talking to the local economic development officials, and it was a real struggle for them to to kind of get their downtown to become active after 6 p.m. where everyone just packed into their cars and headed out. Yeah. Um, but if, if, if a, a small town can offer that, that puts them into a, a whole new league. I mean, if you look at like, I'll just say one more thing and let you talk. Um, there's like um, all these surveys I noticed when I did research on Google, like, uh, you know, best places to live 2019 and, and best, um, you know, there's all the, there's like at least five or six major surveys like that that kind of rate like places to live in the U.S. And the one thing that would put places like Fayetteville, Arkansas, it's like it's ranked in the top five in most of these surveys. And it's a, it's a, it's a fair I would say it's a small town, but it's it's OK. It's a mid-sized American, like 500,000 plus minus. Yeah. So um and, and why is it up there? Because of it's pedestrian friendly. It's 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 like a walkable city. Yeah, yeah. We did a lot of research on uh, best small towns in America, and uh, my friend Mike and I we went through a lot of that stuff. And um, he's actually the one who just started the the coffee shop. Like, because as we were going through, we were looking at you know what are what are the things that people are looking for if they're moving from a big city to a place like Katani. For specifically for reasons of cost of living, which I think is one of the biggest uh, pluses that we have here is like the fact that you can buy a house for such an inexpensive price. So if you're coming here for that, what are the things that are like the, the, the things you have to have? And it came up with a few different things. Um, number, I mean, coffee shop was actually really high on the list. Um, because I think people are, they're used to getting their Starbucks or, or better, you know, from, from wherever. And so, uh, you have to have good coffee we now have like two places that I think are, we have one that's like a drive through that's good coffee. And then East BRA is just out of this world. Good. So, um, and then some of the other ones were like some kind of arts, arts presence. Cause I think a lot of times people, um, in a more conservative area kind of can get this, um, this rap of being kind of backwards and not, not cultural and all those kinds of things. And so if you can increase the presence of the arts and then another one that came up uh, also was um, farmer's markets. I was surprised to see that on the list, but people wanted to be able to buy like fresh produce from, from somewhere other than a Walmart, you know, they wanted to have access to like good local food. And um, I, I, I wasn't expecting to see that on there, but so those are all the kind of things that we're working on in Katianning to try to like, you know, increase the presence of those to make this like not such a culture shock. If you were coming from some of the nicer areas of Pittsburgh or the arts district in Pittsburgh that you wouldn't be like, wow, these people are all backwards in Katianning. <laughs> Trying to like slowly figure that stuff out. Does Katianning have like an economic development council and like a, kind of like a leader who goes out and try to recruit, 
you know, companies and that sort of thing. We, we don't. From a borough perspective, we don't. Um, the county does, though. So the county is actively trying to bring in. Um, they've been focusing more, though, on um, the like kind of industrial complexes. So they're searching for, you know, manufacturing and those kinds of things to fill up those those areas. But I know there are some talks in the works of how do they do the downtown revitalization from a county level. So um, uh, I know specifically there's a couple of projects that are in the works, but uh, yeah, uh, nothing concrete yet. But yeah, they're working on it. It definitely, um, the other thing, what you mentioned, uh, the other big issue for people my age, um, I'm 43 years old uh, with a family of three three children uh, is yeah, property taxes. Uh, you know, we can't. <laughs> a lot of people in in Generation X can't afford uh, high property taxes that usually come along with living in suburbs of large cities. Uh, New York, Atlanta, Washington. If you want to live in the suburbs, you're gonna, or even in the city for that matter, but definitely in, in the su- in the suburbs, you, you're not going to be able to afford the property tax. Uh, that's why these exurbs uh, have emerged, which is like the outer outer ring of these cities where you have to tr- commute at least an hour and a half, but usually two hours to to reach the center. Yeah. So you know, like in New York, uh, to go from Manhattan. There's like an exurb that emerged that's like two hours away, and there's people who actually do that commute. Uh, and so for people like us, it's like uh, we definitely have to look for alternatives. Yeah. And and also if we want to stay on the east the east of the Mississippi, right? Yeah. Because I guess there's places west of the There's a lot of options west of the Mississippi. Uh, you know, there's... There's a, there's a lot of cities that, that are affordable, uh, but uh, east of the Mississippi, <laughs> you're, you're going to be um, hard-pressed. Yeah, it's definitely a, a little bit uh, different. And I think it's really, it, it's hard for a town like Katanning because you have a lot of things that have happened over the years that have decreased the tax base. You know, we used to be a town twice the size that we are now. And so when you have the same, we have the same amount of infrastructure that we had then, uh, but we now have half the tax base. And I think it's been an extraordinary challenge for local leaders, um, which has created turmoil, which has made it even more challenging. And so they're trying to do the same amount of services with half the tax base. And so ultimately then taxes continue to rise. And so it's like, we have this chicken and egg scenario where we're like, well, we need lower taxes, uh, but we need more people to do that. But we can't draw people if we have high taxes. And so it's, <laughs> it's this, uh, it's really, really uh, a conundrum for the small towns. But wait, you said the city limits themselves aren't, aren't uh, very wide. Like the city itself is, is actually, you can walk like across the city in, in a half hour yeah. walking, right? Yeah, you could walk from end to end. Yeah, if you walked to just one one side or the other, it wouldn't even take you ten minutes if you're going uh, east and west. <laughs> North and south would be about a half hour. So. so you're talking about the tax base within that tiny area. 
Well, it's that, and then it's also the county because um, a lot of our a lot of our taxes are derived from the school district, and so our school district encompasses uh, both Catanning, Fort City, and the surrounding area. And so, if we're all paying into that same school district, and we have you know a similar amount of teachers, um, we used to have a similar amount of buildings, although they've tr they've started to bring that down. And administrative costs continue to rise. Um, and population doesn't, it's a really, it's tough on, on that level as well. Interesting. Yeah. And then, so it, it kind of, it, it feels like, um, I think to the people that have lived here for 40 years and they watch manufacturing leave, they watch these things happen and they've, they've heard over and over again, kind of these promises of, of revival or, Hey, try this or try this. And it hasn't worked. You kind of end up with this kind of uh, mentality of doom <laughs> and you don't feel like uh, you can ever get out of it. And that's maybe like one of the most uh, interesting things that we talked about, like you've been in, in Ukraine and Ukraine has been through some, like, I, I don't know any other way to put it than like tragedy. Like there's just, devastating times. yeah, devastating things in Ukraine. And so you've, you've seen what that can collectively do to society. I mean, can you speak to that just a little bit from your perspective of what Ukraine's been through? Uh, for those that don't know, like you give us a, like, a real overhead view and then like, what, what did that do to the people? You know, when foreigners come here, especially from the West and especially from America, the first thing that they notice the they, they ask, like, why are you people so sad? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, Ukrainians and Russians are, are known for just not being the most, um, you know, lighthearted, happy-go-lucky types of people. And there's a reason for that. I mean, it, it, that, there's a reason why Americans act the way they do, that, uh, you know, Ukrainians act the way they do, uh, any country of the world, that there's a common history of a people and that affects their behavior, their, their common values, norms, language, uh, and everything, uh, behavior. And, and so when I, when I arrived here, I, uh, I knew about the history that, that the Soviet Union, what the Soviet Union was, which is, you know, communism. For those of us old enough to remember that, because I know the younger generations, they, they, they weren't even around for the Soviet Union when it was the worst enemy that had to be defeated as it was for us growing up, right? Right. And, and so the Soviet Union was bad enough, like living in those conditions where your freedom was highly restricted, uh, you had limited access to goods, I mean, it was like constant suffering, and but when it collapsed, it made things even worse because uh, the people, whatever people did have savings, by the way, in the Soviet Union, because you really couldn't buy a whole lot, so you just <laughs> stored stuff in the bank. But but when it collapsed, you lost people lost their tens, if not hundreds, of millions of people lost their savings when the Soviet Union collapsed. Wow. And, and it was a, a traumatic experience. And then coupled with the unemployment, the transition to a market economy, corruption, crime related, you know, gangs forming, competing for, uh, you know, there was like just wild 
uh, wild capitalism in the 90s where gangs were just taking control of properties because it was all state-owned and then it all had to become privatized but instead of it happening in a orderly basis it was just a free-for-all wow so by the time i arrived in 2005 i mean you know people were very uh traumatized by all this uh and uh the, the advantage for those of us coming in and I was just a journalist, but there were business people coming in. Now, there were minuses to being a business person because you didn't know all the, 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 the little tricks and, and, and uh, the chaotic environment of doing business. You know, there's a lack of rule of law. The courts were all corrupt, you know. But, but the positive uh, the, that outsiders had coming in was that they didn't have that shared trauma that the locals had. So... If, if you said, hey, well, why don't we do A, B, and C? And they'd say, no, no, you can't do it that way. And you're like, well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> and because, well, because it's, we, we just don't do it that way. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's time to try it. And you don't want to blame them for saying you can't do things this way. Uh, but I... Because that's that's just human nature is is to to kind of establish a certain way of doing things in your society and a way of talking about things and a way of dealing with things that help you to survive a certain period. But to move forward, I think that's when you have to. They're innovators. They're 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 creative people who emerge. And if they don't emerge within that society, then they come from outside that, that, that kind of lead the way forward. Right. I'll just give you one quick example. There is um, one of the most famous people in Ukraine is um, a Pakistani guy who came here. Yeah, he, came to, he went to Donbass where the war is happening. And he developed methods of taking the resources produced. It's a highly industrial region. Uh, with a lot of steel making and coal mining and, and a lot of that, which is part of why the war is being waged there um, for control of that area. But he was able to set up in the early 90s when, when all the locals were just dealing with the trauma of the collapse. He was on the ball, just forming trade relations, forming uh, business uh, business ties, and, and selling their steel products, their pipe products, their raw material. And he became a millionaire within years. Uh, and because that's because he was able to come in and and not be bound by the the, the loss, the, 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 the negative thinking that was prevalent, pre- prevalent in that area. And I look at, you know, the same thing um, that's happening there. My assumption is that a lot of the people from Ukraine, after the fall of the Soviet Union, you have all these different things that happen. And now, even in today's, like, there's, they have to kind of feel like pawns between the West, like this proxy war between the European Union and the United States and, and Russia. And like the kind of this feeling of helplessness. And I look at Katyaning and I obviously we haven't been through war. We haven't been through a lot of those different things. Um, but I do feel like there are similarities there that I, I feel like people in Katanning, um, especially the older generation that went through a lot of those different things, 
they feel like pawns between kind of this uh, manufacturing war between emerging nations and corporate government and the, um, you know, the federal government as well. And they're trying to figure out like, like we just, people feel helpless. And so when you get to that point, you, you aren't able to kind of take in your surroundings for what they are and you're not able to see the opportunities amidst all of the, the chaos. And so, um, that, when I came to Catanning for the first time, I was like, "This place is great. The cost of living is so low, and I can buy a I can buy a building to do a business in, and I can do all of these things that I could never do in Pittsburgh." And everyone just looked at me like, "Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Like, how do you see opportunity here?" And um, I still see it. I still see opportunity. But like you said, sometimes it takes a fresh set of eyes, or it takes you know an, another gen, a new generation to rise up. To be able to see uh, the opportunities among, uh, around you. Yeah, there's a, a, a Bible verse. I mean, uh, Jesus felt it himself. Um, he said, uh, "Only in his hometown and his own house is a prophet without honor." Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You're... Uh, which can be interpreted in, in various ways, but I, the way I see it is like when it, when you're the place where you grow up in is is what forms your worldview. To it's not only your obviously your family does, but also your town or your neighborhood or your community. And when when you're part of that, uh, uh, it's not only hard to see things in a new way, but if you do uh, come back and try to introduce something new, they're, they're, they say, "Oh, that's." Oh, that's Jesus. He's the carpenter. <laughs> you know, fix my door uh, ten years ago. You know, and it's it's people people have kind of like this ne- this negative way of of viewing a person who has grown, who has um, who has blossomed into something new and has has learned new things and and. They're partly resentful, perhaps partly jealous. That okay, you think you're special now, but <laughs> 15 years ago you were just, um, you know, I was changing your diapers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so that's why, like, when a prophet comes from somewhere else, um, people are more apt to to respond to that. They, they'll be very resistant at first. But the smarter ones are like, okay, well, maybe this guy has a point. Uh, you know, I want to mention one thing about uh, Pittsburgh is that apparently, from what I understand, and please correct me if I'm wrong, how Pittsburgh was able to transition from a steel town to a high-tech hub is, uh, is through its universities. Like, it has Carnegie Mellon, most notably, but there's several others. And they were the ones that, that helped the city through this transition. Uh, I don't know if there was like a hugely traumatic experience in Pittsburgh or, or whether they were able to softly kind of maneuver through that. Uh, maybe you could highlight some of that. Yeah, I know Pittsburgh, uh, you know, with the, with the steel industry, um, when it collapsed, I mean, there was a, there was a huge blow uh, to the city. But yeah, you're right with the universities. 
and maybe that's part of it. You know, they're, they're, the universities are drawing in all kinds of people from outside areas and they have all of these different disciplines. And, you know, the whole point of university, at least what it should be, uh, in my opinion, would be to collect as many different uh, perspectives as possible, as many different worldviews as possible and, and begin to think outside your box and really learn how to learn. And I think uh, places, especially like Carnegie Mellon, um, that have done a lot of forward-looking things with robotics and self-driving and AI, and um, and then University of Pittsburgh as well with um, their a lot of their medical um, breakthroughs. Uh, you know, they have been able to transform the economy from you know this heavy manufacturing city to a place that is uh, a lot more culturally diverse, and now drawing in all of these tech companies like you have self-driving cars on the city of Pittsburgh is like a, a really big test bed and if you've seen the roads here man there's not a better testing ground or a better challenge for a self-driving vehicle than Pittsburgh Pennsylvania so uh, you know it's really um, it's really cool to see those kinds of things happen but I think a lot of it is exactly what you're saying you know I don't think we necessarily solved it from the inside I think it was a lot of like bringing outside ideas in and just beginning to think different about the problems that we face. Now, Pittsburgh has a lot of bigger to, pool to draw from as well. So if you there have the whole region here, a couple million people to draw from, whereas Catania or Armstrong County, we're talking 5,000 people or 60,000 people. But at the same time, the scale of the problem is a lot less as well. So if, you know, you're not trying to turn a city of a million people, we're trying to turn a city of 5,000. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a positive too. So I guess I'm just always optimistic about everything. <laughs> if we could get a couple of people like yourself that are, have outside ideas that, you know, I mean, who knows where you're going to end up, but if you would end up in Catanning, man, what an amazing, what an amazing thing, what an amazing story to tell uh, the people around town, like, Hey, there's a, there's some good stuff happening here. And we already, we already have some of those stories, but, um, I think each one is a snowball that begins to move you in the right direction. And what I noticed is containing, uh, doesn't have that, uh, university system anchor that that would have helped in the transition. Yep. So you just, there has to be just a different approach, uh, and um, I'm, when I was working in, uh, I was in Lakeland, Florida, which is uh, between Orlando and Tampa, um, there was a pretty aggressive economic development team there that was like really trying to uh, lure businesses. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that sort of thing is, is what's needed. Uh, also, what's needed, though, is um, I would say, I don't know, I've never been to, I hope I'm able to visit next month. Uh, it's just, uh, and I'm not going to judge people and, 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 and just overanalyze things. I'm just going to enjoy it. But, <laughs> but um, just even the way people talk in their day-to-day life about uh, the, their community, I think it's very important, you know, if... If there's just kind of like, I've I've been like I said, there's small midtowns that that are just vibrant and awesome, and then there's just the doldrums, right? Yeah. And if if there's like a, a an established norm of being like, 
oh man, we're this place ain't going nowhere. We got to get out of here as soon as possible. You know, this this notion of just getting out. This we're not going anywhere. Um, the best days are over. It, 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 everything starts with your mind. You know, we're we're people of faith. Everything begins with your mind, and then your your words come from your mind. Yes, so, so true. <laughs> so if 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 there's an if there's this established norm in a particular community, I don't I don't care if it's contending or you know Donetsk, Ukraine. If, if it's this way of speaking, this way of of communicating, of of uh, expressing yourself that is negative. I mean, it, it, it's all got to. You can have the best economic development team. In City Hall, but if if the overall uh, language and narratives are are negatives, then it's not going to help. You know. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's um, you know, for me, it's all all mindset. Because if you don't have a positive mindset, you're not going to see the opportunities around you. Um, and you know, for someone, if the, someone had a significant amount of money and they wanted to come in and develop a small town or they wanted to buy a significant amount of properties or they wanted to, you know, those kinds of things, Katanning is a, is a great spot to do that. Or if you want to start a small business, you know, if your dream is to run a little sandwich shop, you know, the trail in Katanning is going to be a great spot to do that. But if you're all you're thinking about is just escaping or this place is terrible, you'll never see that opportunity. Not in a million years. And, and you uh, you mentioned a trail, right? So that that could be the anchor that 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 the university. You know, obviously we're we're talking about you know different scales. You know, but yeah. um, but nonetheless, I mean, uh, if if the universities were that anchor for Pittsburgh, then the 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 trail could be the anchor for Catanning, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's the other thing we didn't talk about as far as universities is universities have the ability to train a new generation of workers for a new generation of work. And so as as Pittsburgh transitioned from blue collar to other things, similarly, if Catanning, um, we're not so much transitioning from blue collar because the blue collar jobs that left, the population also also left. So we're talking about just transitioning the economy from one to the other. Um, you know, we have a real potential here to be a, a tourism um, area and to allow tourism to begin to fill the gap that's there economically and to um, create a lot of different small business opportunities, which I, in in my opinion, are the, are the best opportunities. You get more more control over your life and you get more um, more opportunity to see the value of your work very directly where that you don't have working for corporate America or working for whoever else. Hey, you had mentioned that, uh, so there were uh, attempts or people in the town who were promising some type of economic revival or project. And, and it was just, uh, you know, it, it either didn't work out or it was just a empty, empty shell. You're saying there were cases like that? Yeah, I think more it's empty promises. Like a lot of people think, you know, well, if we hire, if we elect this person, they promise to lower taxes and then they get in office and realize, oh, wow, there's really not a lot of room here. <laughs> um, and so it's like. When elections come about, yeah, they have all these promises of what they're going to do, but then 
when you get there and you get into the reality of the job, it's, it's very different from what you thought it was. There are ways of dealing with collective trauma. Uh, I think part of the reason there's uh, this war in Ukraine is that there, there hasn't been enough. I think certain people, certain communities in Ukraine did do it in a constructive way, but then the, where the war is right now being raged, it's, it's not, uh, it wasn't handled the right way because right. they're still clinging that that region where the war is it's been going on for five years now they're still clinging to communism like they still wave the hammer and sickle flags they still revere everything soviet like it, wow. it's like a mini soviet union that <laughs> that insists on keeping things uh the same and putin russian president putin has just taken advantage of it you know he, he's he's he, he saw that and he's like, okay, well, I can use this to my advantage because then I can keep Ukraine, the whole country, in my orbit. You know, I'm going to use these people to keep everyone stuck. <laughs> and and so how how to deal with that trauma on a on a community level, on a collective level, is interesting. One one quick example is, um, well, besides tearing down the Soviet statues, which was done in the last ten years in many places in Ukraine. And by the way, we're seeing the tearing down of statues in the U.S. Obviously, uh, there's people who feel tra traumatized by those statues and what they represent. There's other people who, who don't see things that way. Um, and, and, you know, ideally, you want to resolve that democratically and not violently. Uh, but, but in Ukraine, th that process did occur. Uh, but also people had, like, ceremonies, like... There were various uh, tragic periods in in the Soviet experience. Like um, there's a Holodomor famine where, where uh, collectivizations left many millions of people starving, literally. Uh, and and so they were they held candlelight vigils for that uh, to 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 cope with that to to have people just express their feelings and and their family memories about that. Uh, there's efforts being made still to this day of addressing Holocaust uh, tragedies in Ukraine on Ukrainian territory, and, and that's only been addressed in the last ten years as well. Wow! Uh, by like uh, having those related ceremonies and 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 museums set up. Um, so so there's different now. I don't obviously containing thankfully didn't suffer such disastrous things like famines and 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 concentration camps. Uh, but these are just some of the ways that some societies have kind of dealt with the past in order to, you know, you, you, you do the remembrance, the grievance stages. Uh, no, first is acknowledgement. Then uh, there's the remembrance and discussion. Then there's the grievance. And then there's the uh, after the grievance, maybe some form of commemoration, like with a ceremony mm -hmm. uh, of some sort or some monument, you know, and then, but then you have to move on, you know, and, and like Pittsburgh has done that. I don't know if Pittsburgh had to go through those stages and what was done, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but they've moved on. So. I, I, I think that's really interesting because there's a lot of um, 
I, I think that you're right that the, if these things are never dealt with, they just kind of get passed on to the next generation. And until a generation steps up and says, hey, we want to deal with this and move forward, I, I don't know that that we ever will be able to. Because um, you, like you said, it's up here. We have to change the mindset first. And I look at those things and maybe that's a good question for the people that are listening to this, the people that are watching this. You know, What would be a way for us to collectively kind of move forward as a city I, I know i've been a big proponent of you know we need a we need a unifying vision for how to move forward and that's when we talked about katani 300 you know that's that was kind of um uh, mike and i's uh, vision for like what could katani be in the future but maybe without those other things without the the First, I mean, I put, you said acknowledgement first. I put thankfulness first because I want to put thankfulness before, because I want to be thankful that we didn't experience the Holocaust here and we didn't have, you know, these proxy wars and all these different things happening in our backyard. That hasn't been the case here. And so, um, of course, it could always be worse, right? No matter where you are. But, and then acknowledgement of where we are, remembrance, commemoration, and then how do we move forward? Or maybe we already have the path to move forward, but we have to do those other things to kind of lay the foundation for how to, for, to get people there. But uh, it's super interesting conversation. Are you, are you seeing that? So in some areas of Ukraine, you said have done that and some areas have not. And the ones that have are kind of like, they're, they have a vision now and they're moving forward. They're moving forward, uh, but the people who haven't dealt with the Soviet Union and refused to, the, the ones who are still clinging to the Soviet Union that doesn't exist and never will <laughs> return, um, they're the ones who are holding back the, yeah. the country. Now, they're going to argue that, okay, well, their argument is how things were so great then, everyone had jobs, I could feed my family. Uh, everything was peaceful, and you know, part of the reason everything was peaceful because it was like a, a totalitarian police state. state. Yeah. Like, anyone who had opposition was just crushed. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they're gonna they, they insist that they, if we just replicate what had been in the past, um, then things was things would be and they, they point to Belarus by the way which is north of Ukraine it's between Lithuania and Ukraine. Belarus also has a hammer and sickle on its flag it has a, a dictator who's been in place for like more than 20 years and they still have collective farms where it's just you know you go you don't own the farm you go to a state farm and you perform your labor there but a lot of Ukrainians will say hey that's you know, at least you get your salary and everything's quiet and you can feed your family. And, and those are the people holding things back from becoming like a more free market oriented, uh, free economy, you know, dynamic, more dynamic economy. So that's that's why Ukraine has, has suffered so much is, is that some want to move forward and others don't. Man, that that sounds so familiar. <laughs> uh, that is just like that. That is that is what we're continuing to run up against. Is um, you know, you lay out a vision for how to move forward, and then other people say, "Well, no, we just need to get one manufacturer that'll come in and provide five thousand jobs again." And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, man, that's not gonna happen. And it, and we don't even have the demographics to support that, even if they would want to bring it here. 
Um, it's like it's it's gone. It's over. It's time to move forward. So it's super interesting how you're talking. We're talking like large scale, okay? An entire nation of Ukraine and little Katanning. But the collective trauma and what that does to the to the local psyche is still, it's we're still just people, right? It's still human nature hasn't changed. <laughs> um, but man, what an interesting conversation. Um, I don't know if people listen to this find it interesting, but at the, at the very least, I do, and I'm I'm very glad that we met each other through the internet and have been able to talk like this. Um, is there anything else as we kind of wrap this up? Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to say to people watching this at home and um, just from your perspective? I would say that just based on my Google searches, Katani looks pretty damn cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I noticed there's a a downtown, there's a park, there's a pretty neat park downtown. There's a river that runs right through the city, which is also pretty cool. Um, you know, you mentioned coffee shops. I don't know. Are they are they allowed to um, open with the virus situation? They did just just recently reopen a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um. The the na- the nature surrounding the, the the town, the rural opportunities like homesteading is definitely on the rise. Uh, I mean, it's. Especially among traditional minded people. And by the way, oh, uh, if there's anything I'd, I'd like to say is that um, just because you're a traditional person who tra- believes in the traditional family and um, you know has has appreciates uh, the foundations of America and American values, that doesn't mean that you have to be closed to change. I mean change can occur without violating foundations because if you if you ruin your foundation that's when change is bad when you ruin your foundations and and we believe that our foundations are our faith in god uh in rule of law in the institutions in private property rights the institutions that make uh, america great and, and so if you keep your foundations, but then you adapt, and what I mean by adapting economically, for instance, like, okay, my dad, I'll take my, my dad was a member of a union, by the way, I, and that's something I'll never hope for, yeah. <laughs> but, but it had positives, like he, he had health insurance, he had, you know, strict rules on how much he could work, he, and they couldn't force him to work overtime, and, and, and he had awesome vacations, and, and, Awesome benefits. I don't deny that. You know, I'm I'm a right wing guy, but I'm willing to acknowledge the the benefits of the traditional labor union. Um, and but okay, so now we know that those things are no longer available to my generation, to our generation, and and future generations. Okay, so let's adapt. Let let's let's look for healthcare uh, out, you know, outside of uh, or, like your company or your union. Maybe there's like healthcare available in the free market. Maybe there's healthcare available in other countries. Like people, medical tourism is, is, a, is a booming business for a, more than a decade now. I mean, some people blame it for bringing disease to America, but it is yeah. what it is. I mean, you have to adapt. Uh, uh, so, so, 
there are just because we're traditional minded people doesn't mean we we can't adapt to the new realities of the economy and, and social life and culture. Uh, we don't have, but we don't necessarily have to be, uh, uh, frankly, destroyed by. It. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's such a good word um, as far as like. Just because things are changing doesn't mean your foundation has to change. You know, I, I think that's one. That is probably the greatest fear is when you see all these changes happening around. You you don't want, you don't want your kids to grow up with different values and your grandkids to grow up in a place with different values. But the the values can stay the same even if the method changes. We talk about, a lot about that at the church as well. You know. Like the message has been the same for 2,000 years. You know, we, we preach in the same sermons that they were preaching in Acts chapter 2. But at the same time, the method obviously has changed a whole lot because culture has changed. But we keep those foundational principles because that's, that's, what, that's who we are. Um, and so uh, that's such a good word um, to, to end this thing on. Um, don't be afraid of change, Katanning. Don't be afraid of change small town America. Uh, if we can embrace this thing and see what the opportunities are around us, man, it, the future uh, has the potential to be really, really bright. I agree, and I um, I thank you for this opportunity just to share my experiences, and and I, I hope to visit Katanning next month. Absolutely. Well, if you do, uh, we'll make sure to have you in a video and maybe we'll do a follow-up conversation after you're here for, for a minute and uh, see if it's everything that it's cracked up to be. <laughs> and more. <laughs> well, I just want uh, to say uh, God bless you, my friend. Um, I pray that God leads you right where he wants you to be and um, hopefully we'll get the cross path sooner than later. And um, certainly if you need anything, uh, give me a call. Thank you. All right. And for everyone watching this, I uh, appreciate you taking the time. I know it's been an hour, but hopefully it's been interesting to to uh, to get this diff very, very different perspective than what we're used to and um, uh, very, very valuable to me as well. So um, appreciate you guys watching. And as always, hopefully I'll see you in the next one sooner than later. <laughs>